What is it like leading the Ontario Red Syndrome Association? Since it began in 1991, the association or ORSA has had three successive presidents. Jean Valeriot from 1991 to 2002, Greg Bereznik from 2002 to 2010, and Terry Boyd from 2010 to 2016. Kevin Morton took over Terry and is the current ORSA president. In this podcast, Jean, Greg and Terry talk about their experiences as ORSA presidents. All led a volunteer-driven, not-for-profit charity that helps children and adults with Rett syndrome achieve their full potential and enjoy the highest quality of life within their community. At any given moment, they were talking to and networking with parents, caregivers, researchers, medical professionals and other interested agencies and individuals. ORSA funds Canadian research projects, three Rett syndrome clinics and developed the Canadian Rett syndrome registry. Greg, how do you think ORSA has helped us understand Rett syndrome better? What ORSA did was it provided a community of like-minded people with similar situations, which is the first stage, and that out of that we are able to deal with the larger issues of care. I mean, it's not just a matter of a diagnosis and understanding that it's there, but how do you manage it, how do you support, and how do you provide a quality of life that's going to really help this child of yours to have a full life as much as possible. So ORSA really provided, first of all, an opportunity for you to feel like a regular person again because you were connecting as one parent to another about parental issues that may be much more complex than regular parents, but at least it was a safe place for you to be able to ask the questions that your even your own family couldn't answer because it was so complex, the care issues that you had to deal with. And as we also understood, there was a certain stage where there was a question if the child would survive or not. So it allowed us to prepare for a much more comprehensive approach to care for Rett syndrome that went beyond just the diagnosis, which really, when you when you think about it, that is far more critical to the individual child and also to the parent. There was also the connection with the research community. I do remember the early conferences where they would, they would actually bring in people that were researchers that were on the leading edge of trying to figure out what it was and what needed to be done. And they were part of the group. So it was researchers and doctors connecting with parents. And it was a true uh, community supporting the individual child. What are your thoughts, Teddy? When ORSA was developed, we had local chapters. I believe that was significant because we needed to start from the grassroots. And by doing so with the local chapters across the province, We were able to connect with families and hear what they needed at that time. We wanted to get viable, proper information out to the families. So the first thing we did was as soon as uh, a family became a member of ORSA, if we knew of them, we would give them the most up-to-date information. At the beginning it was articles, then it became a video that we would purchase from the International Red Syndrome Association, and then a book was published by them, and we made sure the families got this information free of charge. Now ORSA has a website with either information on it or links to information, and I believe that that is vital for families to get. The other part that we did was then we started to do public awareness at the 
at the regional level, families share their stories. And, and also then we started to build on the goal of getting health professionals. Every second year we had a conference or a workshop. As time went on, then um, we had conferences, then we had professional dinners slash meetings. The other things were we made sure we, we had families, um, parents who had been through surgeries and challenges and uh, we got the permission and we connected families so to get, they got that one-on-one -on -one support. And I do believe we always tried to give families hope so that, you know, the, the, the acknowledgement is there that Rett syndrome is a devastating neurological disorder. But there's always hope of what we can do to help our children grow, to feel accomplishments, and, and to, to uh, live a full life. And the other parts that the association has done is definitely developing the Canadian Rett syndrome registry registry. It will come into play very soon in the future when drug trials come into Canada and we need a registry of the individuals and researchers can use it to look at what would be the information that would assist them in new research projects. What would your advice be to families and parents living with Rett syndrome? I think when you first have the diagnosis, you want to throw everything you have towards supporting your daughter. And like we all learned, you have to also think of yourself as a person, a person who needs to have a life and needs to be supported. And you first of all have to provide support for yourself so you can do the better job of supporting your daughter. So yeah, what um, the advice to families is look, you need to look after yourself so you can do the best job of looking after your daughter. It doesn't work in the reverse at all. And we've saw, we, you would see families where the burnout would start to trickle in and they weren't doing the job they wanted to and that's simply because they didn't focus on themselves as well too. In order to be a really good parent, you have to be well informed, but you also have to have a support network so that you can do your best as opposed to like a you can't be like a sponge where you're trying to squeeze everything you can out of yourself to help your daughter because eventually there'll be nothing left the other advice too is although it seems like a very challenging journey to begin it's amazing the capacity for resilient for resilience that you actually have as a parent and you will be absolutely amazed at yourself what you can bring to this challenge in a way that you never thought you could. And also, I think when you're with other parents who are also supporting children with Rett, daughters with Rett syndrome, there's a certain camaraderie and a certain mutual respect you have for each other because each understand what you're dealing with. They're managing it with superb skill. While we wait for a treatment or a cure for, for this um, disorder, that we need to focus on today and what we can do today for our children. So, for example, connecting with the closest Rett Syndrome Clinic for those living in Ontario and even those living in Canada as they listen to this podcast is that um, the Ottawa, the Children's Hospital of Eastern Ontario located in Ottawa will see children and adults with Rett Syndrome across Canada if they don't have a provincial Rett Syndrome Clinic. And the last I always think about, and I'm not sure I did a good job of this myself as a young mom, I have three children, is to 
tell parents to take care of themselves, take time away for themselves, and time for their other children, and uh, and grow that relationship and your other relationships, whether you have a partner in your life, if you have a spouse in your life, or or anyone who's important, is to keep those relationships up. Um, going and work on them and nurture them because in the tough times, as I've known with 33 years with my daughter Kaylee, it is those people that will get you through. And now that my children are adults, they are a support to us too. As much as we support them, they are a support to us and to their adult sibling. So um, these relationships are, are very important. And uh, I think sometimes we get so involved because rest syndrome can be so challenging because there's so many comorbidities in it and that what we have to do to care for our children, we forget about ourselves, we forget about our significant relationships and sometimes we, we have to, you know, um, not forget but we have to put our other children aside sometimes. For example, when Kaylee was seizuring 60 to 80 times a day, I didn't know how I was going to get my son Parker to hockey but we did it. And I did it with the help of other parents. I took her into the lobby and counted the seizures and knew I was close to the hot local hospital. And, uh, and the other parents helped me out by making sure I always knew what Parker did at the game if I couldn't be watching all the time. But we made it work. And I think that's so important because our son never felt that we didn't give him the opportunity of all those extracurricular activities. What about you, Jean? that whatever her, or I guess in some cases his, degree of disability is, she's still a real person struggling to cope, who needs all the help she can get from her family and from others. She didn't change when she got the label, but the label can be helpful in understanding needs and finding help, identifying supports, sharing information, and deciding your strategy as a family. Each family and person is different, so there's no one-size-fits-all strategy. Having a child with Rett syndrome may strengthen some marriages and destroy others, but it doesn't leave any unchanged. Neither Mary nor I think we could have done nearly so well alone. When one was down, the other stepped in. But not everyone is that lucky. Once you've decided whether you're going to do it together or separately, it will not be easy. You must find a way to take care of her and her siblings and yourself. You must advocate forcefully with supporting information and authority, but also with respect for the services she needs. Care is as essential for the caregiver as it is for her. Unless you're making room for yourself and your own health, you can't help her. You need to be conscious, too, of the needs of her siblings so that they won't feel left out and unloved. Sometimes, that'll be hard to remember, but it is important. As for her, Dr. Rett's advice was to look into her eyes, and you will see that there is an intelligent social person inside. She may be able to communicate with her eyes, perhaps even controlling a specialized tablet, like the Toby. She'll respond to music and social contact and hydrotherapy, which might mean just taking her into the pool regularly, and you must help her to maintain active movement, both in the pool and walking, if there's no physical impediment. 
Dr. Rett stressed, keep her walking, an active movement in as many ways as possible. For about a year during the regression, Elmer would only continue to walk if Mary and I supported her by both arms. When she finally surprised us by doing it on her own, it became very exciting for her and helped her to seek out the social contact she needed. Most importantly, assume that she understands. We considered her as a person in our own family with a much deeper understanding than was, than was apparent from her limited ability to express it, and we went everywhere with her. She went everywhere with us. Your daughter may not be able to respond quickly or at all, and that'll be very frustrating for her. But if you smile and laugh with her and sing to her and assume that she understands and provide her with social opportunities, she'll be much happier. If she feels that she has some control over her life, she will be happier. To give her that control, try to provide her with choices. We used to line up the cereal boxes at breakfast and she would swipe at her choice or lay out her clothes so she could choose what to wear or let her lead us on the trails she loved to walk on and to take the forks that she wanted. Her enthusiastic walking sometimes led to falls and stitches but it was worth the risk for her well-being. A yes or no board or even word boards seemed to work often although with a swat rather than a finger point. Before she died, Elner was very happy. That is the only consolation we have. As for yourself, you can only do so much. Don't beat up on yourself for failing to meet all her needs. You will always fall short of your own desire to love her and support her, but you can only try again. Regretting the past can do no good except to strengthen you for the future. Learn from your mistakes and the experiences of other caregivers and keep looking for new ways to engage her. It's an ongoing learning activity and you need to learn from other parents, therapists, educators and others with specialized knowledge and her. And you can do that through seminars, conferences, family gatherings, local service agencies and so on. If I could do anything differently, it would be to have been more aware of her physical pain. Eleanor and many Rhett girls have a very high pain threshold. Often it was constipation and we could take the appropriate action. The first diagnosis in the week before her crisis was constipation, but we insisted that was wrong. After visits to two doctors and the hospital all in the same week, a twisted bowel was diagnosed and she was scheduled for surgery. In the hospital two days before the scheduled surgery, she woke in the middle of the night while Mary was there, showing signs of extreme distress, crying out in pain. It was extremely unusual for her to, sh to show pain or to cry. She was rushed to surgery in the morning, but then it was too late. Not understanding the pain she was in and not acting sooner is our greatest regret. Any words to researchers who are working to understand Red Syndrome? Make sure you connect with the families and make sure you connect with uh, the children that are, are suffering from Red Syndrome because you're part of that community and everything you do has such meaning for us. Don't get caught behind the data. Make sure you dive in 
and really get to be part of the community that ex- exists now because of Orsa, where you can better understand things from a realistic perspective. There needs to be a one-on-one for families, and we've tried to do it at conferences with some of our researchers of explaining the goals. Because sometimes parents get very discouraged when, when a research paper comes out because they, they were expecting huge things. And, and from being involved in the association and sit, sitting and speaking with researchers, I, under, now, I now understand through my years of being involved with this association is that it, it, takes, it takes many steps to get to an answer. And so for families, I, I think that that's probably the most challenging is that we, we, we have to grab onto hope. And sometimes at conferences, when they hear certain things, we grab onto it as, as our, our lifeline. And, um, and so it's very discouraging when it doesn't progress to a next stage. And from the researcher side, I would say to try to, <laughs> it's wonderful when they come to conferences and they can bring it down to layman terms so that we can all understand it and ask questions so that we, we are able to, um, to look at it objectively and to understand what the outcomes are going to be. The most important role you can play is inviting them to interact with your daughter and see her and other families as a resource to help them focus on the important areas and also as access to candidates for clinical trials. They need to engage other researchers and therapists and be involved in other professional and outreach conferences. I can't give them much advice, but I can report how productive the interplay between families and researchers has been. Whether it was for researchers or doctors or therapists, the advice given to the professionals at that first conference was, listen to the mother. Will you please share a memorable experience or experiences during your time as an ORSA president? The first is um, simply being, when we had our events, when we had our conferences, being with parents together and realizing that what we were doing with ORSA is creating a community a safe community for people to be part of, to gain resources from, and to walk away feeling like they had some tools and support in order to do the difficult job they had in front of them. Um, some of the better mo- memories I have, it wasn't so much dur- during the conference time, but it was afterwards when all of us were gathered together in a hotel somewhere and were socializing and sharing stories and really feeling like we were part of something and we could have um, we we could have conversations that we potentially couldn't have with our own family members because they didn't have the experience that we did moving forward. So it was very meaningful that way. The second experience was sort of was significant in that one conference that we had, and at that point in time, research had reached the point where they had actually isolated the specific biological marker for Rett syndrome. And I remember we were meeting with the researchers who were presenting for us, and we were about to launch a session, and they had confidentially indicated to us that word had just been released that they actually found this biological marker, which was very significant. Now, obviously, there was going to be a proper launch of this going forward, so it would be uh, shared with... um, a larger community and we were privy to kind of internal information 
but it was exciting for Orsa because here we were with one of the key researchers who was sharing with us because she trusted us that much to say, you need to know, we have just confirmed this understanding, which is going to be significant for Red Syndrome research as we move forward. And this has just happened. Now, obviously, we wanted to grab the microphone and just let everybody know that, but we knew we couldn't because there was a, a proper way to, re, uh, to announce this. But it was an exciting moment to realize all this work that Orsa had done by, first of all, forming a group together and bringing parents together and then bringing research together with these parents. Uh, we were playing a part in this larger detective work one thing that happened before I was president, I was on the executive at that time, has to be the development of the retinal clinics. One of my greatest experiences was in meeting Dr. Peter Humphreys in Ottawa. He became our neurologist, our second neurologist, and in meeting him, he always asked me first when we went in, Mrs. Boyd, what's the number one thing you would like to talk about today? And I always said, I'd like a Rett syndrome clinic. <laughs> and he would laugh it off. And as the president of the local chapter, whenever a young little girl was diagnosed with Rett syndrome, I would send him his way to be his neurologist. And in time, he had over a dozen active cases of children with Rett syndrome. And in those days, it was mostly girls because we didn't have the mutation marker as of yet. And so when I finally went to him and said, I would like a Rett syndrome clinic, he said, I'm ready. So I went back to the board of ORSA, and he, he, he had done some research and told us that ORSA needed to provide it, um, the funds, and he thought it would be around the price point of $20,000. So I was very frightened, but I went back to the board of ORSA. I asked the board, in a motion, to accept this funding support on a yearly basis, and ORSA agreed to it. And the last would have to be is the personal connections to be the contact for families across Canada for, for decades. Um, it, it was my greatest pleasure to meet these families and to, to see their journey and to see their growth as a family. And some of them, I know their children and they've grown up with our children and they know each other well. And uh, so I think that was one of the greatest privileges is possibly to have made a small impact on a journey for a family who has a loved one with Rett syndrome and, and done some good so that their journey was better as a result of it. There were always the fascinating insights and inspirations that we got from conferences and contacts, both from professionals and other families. I enjoyed doing the newsletter for a long time with Mary's help, and that was when publishing software was just becoming mainstream. The most memorable experiences were Dr. McLeod doing a medical clinic and taking samples in our home with Dr. Victoria Hsu and also the AGMs held at our home. We were pleased when Mary or I could talk to a parent with a recent traumatizing diagnosis and we could help to soften the blow and emphasize that there was a valued someone in there despite appearances. Other than that, the most important memories were those as parents trying to do the best we could with what we had for our son and daughter. What would you tell to a newly elected ORSA president? What I would say is that just to realize that ORSA is not just a board and it's not just an organization. What you're doing is you are maintaining and supporting a community of, of people, both 
parents and daughters and researchers and educators that are coming together under a single cause and what you're trying to do as president and as the organization is get them the resources they need and provide them the, the, the community so they can interconnect. When you connect people, essentially they will begin to support each other and it's a matter of differentiating that level of support so that whether you're a new parent that knows very little and just needs to know what can I do tomorrow or you're the more experienced parent where you're trying to help uh, your child move from into adolescence or you're the parent of adult children and you're trying to figure out how do we all move our lives forward together so that we can help, we can be assured that they're going to have the quality of life as we become older and less ability, have less ability to support them. It's just understanding the community, understanding the differentiated needs, and making sure you provide everything you can in order to help people. The other advice I would have is just really understand the significance of what you're doing. It is huge in terms of the impact that ORSA can have with families. Take advantage of this rare opportunity you've been given in order to leverage as much support as possible because that's what people are looking for. And adapt, just continually adapt, and so that the next generation who will have certain resources that didn't exist before, help them to move forward. I would tell them to develop a relationship with their board of directors and with the researchers that they are supporting and those around but mostly to use their entire board and to always have a strong executive committee and, and that they have commitment from everybody on the board and on their executive committee with their job description. That is so important that the as presidents recognize the skills and the attributes that our board of directors have and our volunteers and um, our executive members and uh, to utilize them to the fullest extent and to not carry the weight themselves. Any last words? I didn't understand the power of community that exists and ORSA helped me to better understand what's possible when you do provide an interconnected community that allows people to support each other. When my experience, when I found out about my daughter's diagnosis, it was a very lonely experience because you realize that it was a rare disorder, that resources weren't necessarily present in the same way they would be for other diagnosis, and you just felt like you didn't really have a lot to go on. What would be wonderful as we move to the future is that ORSA continues to provide the resources so that when that parent gets that diagnosis, immediately they're part, they are they're part of their, or they're connected to the community where they go, okay, I've got it. I know exactly what this is about. I know what I need to do to tomorrow. And I know that as I move through the life of my daughter, every step of the way, I'm going to be able to manage this and do this in a way that allow me to be the parent that I want to be for my daughter. And that's what will be exciting in the future of Orsa because it'll evolve and grow and it has, and it will continue to because of the energy of parents connecting with each other and supporting each other. They went from nothing to what a, of an organization I'm very proud of structurally in the bylaws and, and in mission statements and, uh, you know, and all of that boring stuff that uh, we really worked on in my last five years of presidency. So it was sustainable. And hence I felt when I handed it over to Kevin that, that it, was in, it was in decent shape for, 
for for the new board and for the younger families. It you know, and and part of it is that that emotional support that that was given to families. And I think the fact that we got these physicians, you know, a neurologist sees how many different rare disorders or you know even cerebral palsy and that aren't rare, and they chose Rett syndrome. It is the only specialized clinic of a rare disorder at the Children's Hospital of Eastern Ontario. Now that says something. It says something amazing that that there's something unique and there's something about these individuals that gain respect of those. And I think it says something about the families and how the families are who, who care for these individuals and love them and, and want the best for them. So I think, you know, there's something, I think we have something special in such a, a horrible circumstance that happened to all of us. Thank you for listening to Greg, Terry and Jean talk about their experiences as ORSA presidents.